So, John, what's your best boat story? My best boat story? Mm -hmm. Well, I've got so many to choose from. Mm -hmm. Many a seafaring tale I've got. Quite um, the seaman, are you? I'm quite the salty seaman, yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, does the banana boat count? Go on. I, well, I, mean, I mean, literally... A boat that was an inflatable banana. Okay, yeah, yeah. I'd say I'd say this counts. Okay, sure, yeah. I mean, it's off to a great start, by the way. Yeah, I mean, it's not an amazing story, but it was a near-death experience. So you know, yeah. uh, when I was <laughs> uh, when I was on my ill-fated eighteen to thirty trip to Malio, which I've probably referenced a few times before, mm -hmm. after I graduated from high school, part of the trip was we had to do a drunken banana boat speed. It was like a, a giant inflatable banana strapped <laughs> to a speedboat. <laughs> It's a thing that you do on these islands. <laughs> yeah. Oh, dear. So you get really drunk, then you get on top of a giant inflatable banana, and then it, that banana is hooked onto a speedboat, and mm -hmm. the speedboat just kind of dashes around the islands. Sure. It's all very safe. Yeah. Anyway, I fell off, because of course, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. most people fell off, but I wasn't a very strong swimmer. Mm -hmm. We were all wearing life jackets, but okay. uh, it was quite a strong current day, and I was just trying to like pad back to, you know, front crawl back to yeah. the, uh, the beach. And I became very aware that every time I was stopping, I was getting pulled back out a lot further than <laughs> I'd originally got. And it got a bit freaky. And yeah. I just, eventually I just, I mean, it's not that exciting. Eventually I was just like, okay, I need to stop taking rest breaks. I just need to just like power through <laughs> this. Otherwise I'm never going to go back to the shore. But yeah. Did you get back? I did. Well, I'm, I'm here with you on side right now. I didn't float back to England. So, you know. <laughs> Well, did they have to come and rescue you with the banana boat or what? No, no. I just I just had that moment of like, okay, I can either focus on this and just swim like hell and get back onto the beach yeah. or probably die. So I was like, okay, I better swim back to the beach then. <laughs> <laughs> what a crazy game this was. I know. Yeah. I don't know how more people don't die on these holidays, but yeah. I mean, everyone else could just basically swim. It was my own fault, but. Sure. Well, yeah. Welcome back, everybody, to Beyond the Box Set, the podcast where today we are pitching prequels, sequels, and spin-off ideas to Winter's Tale. We'll also be pitching some drinking games and hearing from our listeners with the ideas they have posted on our Facebook and Twitter pages. But first, we're going to talk about some of our favourite moments from the original movie and catch up with a bit of a plot summary. I am Harry, the host with the most great film choices this year. Mm -hmm. You've made some very good calls. Yeah. Can't lie. And joining me as always, the host with the most great... Sorry, I couldn't think of anything. It's John Lucas. With the least great film choices? I guess, yes. Yeah, okay, sure. Yeah, I, I didn't want to be the one to say it. Okay, well, you were going to, weren't you, though? So, yeah. yeah. I, mean, I mean, how bad? I feel like this film might have broken you. This was a very bad film. Yeah. And it was... It was boring. Mm. I mean, I it's understand. The, it's the worst thing a bad film can do, mm -hmm. is be boring. See, I mean, I, mean, I knew this because yeah. I got the text messages that you've been sending me all week <laughs> about how much you hated this movie. Um... I don't know. I, I mean, clearly we have very different thresholds for things that we enjoy in bad movies because mm -hmm. I would watch this a thousand times before I watched absolutely anything again. Like, <laughs> yeah. Truly. Or lesbian vampire killers again. Like, yeah. I find this far more entertaining don't than those Don't forget films. Sausage Party. Or Sausage Party, indeed, yeah. But I understand why you feel the way you feel about this film. Mm -hmm. is, is this the worst film I've ever chosen? Is it, is it more boring than Dangerous Liaisons? Mm, oh, I forgot about Dangerous Liaisons, which is very easy to forget about. Mm-hmm. Or is it more boring than Little Women? 
That wasn't quite a you choice because that was an Oscar choice. That was choice. an Oscar choice. I'm just yeah. thinking of like in terms of the worst <clears throat> films you've ever, you've ever watched. No, I think Dangerous Liaisons was pretty mediocre. Mm-hmm. That was nothing really happened in that film. Okay. As far as as far I mean, as I'm aware. As much as you might have hated this, you can't say nothing happened. Yeah, but also not a lot happened. True. So like I watched this in two parts because mm-hmm. I kind of phased out in well the middle bit where like they go on a date or whatever. What Lady Sybil. The main love interest, sure. who he sexes to death. Yeah. Okay, because there's a very um, clear middle point mm. in this film where he sexes her to death and then they yeah. jump 100 years into the future. Yeah. yeah. Well, I phased out just before that jump. Okay. Um, and so that, that's that's where I stopped it and uh, came back to it today. So <laughs> clearly it got so boring that that's when I stopped. I came back today and there was 15 minutes of literally no dialogue. Mm-hmm. And What scene was that? Well, that was the scene that gradually led to him uh, sexing her to death. Oh, when they go to the big dance party? Yeah. Okay, sure, yeah. Nobody says a word. And there was 15 minutes of this, and everything was very slow. Nothing was happening fast. Do you know what happens in that in, the, in that scene? I can barely remember they, it. <laughs> they, they dance. No, sorry. They start drinking some champagne. Uh-huh. Then they go and dance. Somebody, like, very obviously poisons her champagne. And I'm like, wasn't she dying anyway? Yeah. And... Then they go back to her tent or whatever and have sex, but maybe mm. he leaves and comes back or something. I'm not fully sure. Basically, they dance and then they have sex. That's mm. what happens. Mm. And it takes 15 minutes of on-screen visuals to show us that <laughs> with no dialogue. It was so boring. There wasn't <laughs> even Russell Crowe in it at this point to make it interesting. I take your point. I I, I don't disagree. This film is slow. It is very slow. It's, I'd say it's got about 20 minutes of plot. Yeah, no. So well, an hour, I an, think an it's hour got, and a half film, maybe two hour film. I think it's got about four hours of plot, but I think it's only about twenty minutes of that appears in this movie. Yeah, I wouldn't go as far as to say I liked this film. I found this film engaging only in the sense that it was so bewildering. Mm-hmm. It was so odd. Yeah, everything about it was so odd because it was like, on the one hand, the plot made no sense, and I literally had no idea what was going on. Mm-hmm. And this is my first time watching it as well, by the way. So I'd heard that this right. film was bad. But I, was, I didn't know in what sense it was bad. So I was quite intrigued to find out because mm-hmm. what I'd seen looked quite interesting. So, yeah, it's it's so strange and so much ridiculous stuff happens. Mm. But also, you're right, it is, it is the crazy stuff that really made me laugh is very much kind of interspersed with like long scenes where nothing happens. It's mm-hmm. like, well, this could have lifted out. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. So I agree with you completely. There is a lot. Of, a lot of this film is genuinely boring, mm-hmm. but I did enjoy the madness of what surrounded the boringness, I guess. It was just the <laughs> stupid, stupid decisions. Like, I don't know about you, but did, could you follow the... And it's really hard when you're bored anyway, whether a film makes sense or not, but could you follow what was going on? Not for the most part. No, same. I was like, there were times in this film when I really thought, have I... I was watching it on Netflix. I was like, have I, like, sat on the control and accidentally skipped 40 minutes in and, yeah. like missed something yeah because it felt like the film started in the middle yeah but it didn't take any time to explain like who all these people were and what their relationships were with each other and no not at all. what this world is yeah. where things are magic but only sometimes and like yeah it do was, characters it, know or not like it was it, it was very strange i felt like i needed a star wars style crawl at the beginning of this film that would have helped just like this is the world we live in yep this is what the characters are this is why they know each other yep it, but it just doesn't do any of that. Like, why did Russell Crowe care so much about killing Colin I, Farrell? I, it, what was his deal? That was a big problem for me. <laughs> yeah, like, like, I made, like I, I, what, what was his motivation? Yeah. I had no idea. And it didn't make any sense to me. And then also, like, why either of them were apparently immortal? Yeah. 
I, I didn't I didn't get it. No, exactly. It, it was honestly, it was like walking into a film half and halfway through it and just trying to like pick up the pieces. Was Russell Crowe just a random devil or was he just a, a normal person working for the devil? Or like, what, what was the deal? I, don't, I mean, I don't, I can't tell you. He, he was also, I guess, immortal until he wasn't. And then he was a snowman. And then he became a snowman. <laughs> <laughs> I, mean, I mean, that's but, the kind of craziness that redeemed this film for me. Yeah, but by that point, I checked I out so much. I was like, well, now he's just a fucking snowman now. Yeah, course, I know. Yeah. But at a certain point, you just don't, you just don't care anymore. <laughs> yeah, like, fine, I guess this is happening. Like, yeah. yeah, I understand. I'm sorry. I know. Like, I would not. I could never defend this film for its quality, but I did. There were so many moments in this film where I just like howled with laughter. You know the bit where, well, the many many bits where he gets at that little sign that says "City of Justice." Oh, I have no that, idea. That like his dad took from a boat or whatever. Yeah. From, oh yeah. From, yeah. A, from a little boat. Sure. Yeah. Or did he take it from a little boat? Was he his dad? I don't know. Who knows? Who knows? Who knows? <laughs> I don't know how crazy this film actually is, or how like I mean, based in reality. Crazy, yeah. Well, like, is he is he his own dad? Is he his own granddad? Well, his dad was a different actor, so I'm guessing no. Okay, cool. Because I, I I didn't I wasn't sure. Okay. But uh, yeah, he keeps getting it out all the way through the film, and kind of in a way that like you're supposed to be thinking about what it is, mm. and then he just stabs Russell Crowe in the neck with it, and that's it. Yeah, I have no idea. Was there some sort of symbolism with that? I think if there was, it was lost in translation. It was very lost in translation. Because yeah. also you didn't really you didn't really see it at all. No. Like when, when that happened, they're like, oh, it was that. Okay, well, I guess that explains why he had it in his pocket this whole time. Yeah, if there was like a flashback to like, oh, this is why this matters to this character. Like yeah. maybe it would help, but that was just not there. No. Yeah. Yeah, it really felt like a random collection of scenes from a, from a very long film. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure it wouldn't surprise you to know that this film is based on a book. Great. And it just, clearly a book that was... See, this is why I don't read books. <laughs> sure, okay. <laughs> well, the, another fun thing about this film is that it was originally going to be directed by Martin Scorsese. Oh, God. But then Martin Scorsese... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> then it would have been six hours long. But Martin Scorsese pulled out because he declared that this the book that this was based on this film was unfilmable, he said. He said, this this story is unfilmable. It's impossible to tell this story in a film. Wow. Yeah, and then some other guy who'd never directed a film in his life decided to do it, and uh, it didn't work. And it was a big old mess. But it was a big old mess that got a lot of like big talent involved. Like They clearly threw money at this. Yeah. It did not make money. I mean, is it a lot of big talent, or is it just like... It's got Russell Crowe in it, and he'll he, he's done some great films, but mm. also... He'll do any old shit. Oh, yeah. I mean, we'll, we'll, we'll talk about Russell Crowe and what the hell happened to him. But yeah. um, <laughs> what was he going through at this point in his life? No, but I mean, like Will Smith's in this film. Spoiler alert. Oh, yeah. I forgot it about is, that. Yeah. Yeah. That that was a that was a Jennifer shock. Connelly's in this film. Yeah. That wasn't a shock. No, sure. But, like, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, Will Smith is a shock. Yeah. Will Smith is the devil. Mm. as like a modern like jazzy devil yeah but also a modern jazzy devil in like the 1800s initially. yeah he's in the 1800s but he's wearing a Jimi hendrix t-shirt yeah. and he's got like these crazy earrings in yeah it's like will smith showed up on the day because you know he was on set for a day tops <laughs> yeah he oh, turned God, up yeah. he collected his two million dollar check mm -hmm. did his scenes didn't even get to costume he was like nope this is what i'm gonna be and yeah. that was him yeah early songs Warden of Manhattan and the Five Boroughs, on what grounds do you make this request? I've come to believe that a human is on the verge of using his miracle, which would be a formidable advancement for the other side. Evidence? The presence of guardian angels, Your Honor. 
Bought the white dog at the East and Cecil Mature. What else? Well, I've had a vision. A red-haired girl, a drawn in a fugue with the blood of a virgin. Curly, that could be anyone. No, okay. Lou, I mean, he's already been seen with a girl matching that exact description. <clears throat> Sir? Purely, entirely, and with all his heart. So you believe it is his miracle to save her? I do, sir. Yes, Your Honor, I do. A man's destiny is often not what it seems. I understand that, sir. I do, I do. I, I, I understand that, but I... I, uh, I have a feeling about this one, you know. You trained him. Picked him up off the street. The son you never had. Embarrassing, no? Shit happens. <sighs> okay. Um, do you want to do a plot summary then, John? I'll attempt it, sure. Yeah, see what you can do. Let's see where we go. Okay. So, Winter's Tale. Released in 2014. Mm-hmm. Uh, stars Colin Farrell, mm -hmm. who last week we both developed as a bit of a bit of a crush on, and I think this week we've cured it. Yeah, Would you agree. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> gone. Cured it, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> was, uh, yeah, but before Colin Farrell shows up, the film opens with some. Well, it starts with him doing a monolo a monologue, like a voiceover, with some waffle about like the stars and miracles and all this stuff that I never understood what it was all about. To be honest, that sort of thing. That that normally turns me right off a film, but I was like, okay, let's. Let's see. Let's goes, yeah. see. Like that, this isn't a million miles away from something like Stardust or something like sure, so yeah. far. So, mm -hmm. all right, okay. Oh, yeah, we'll see where this goes. Yeah, it turns out nowhere. No, nowhere fast. Yeah, we have this opening spiel about stars and miracles and everyone. Someone's a miracle and everyone. Everyone's a star and I don't know. There's something. And then we open in the year 1895, mm -hmm. and there's a young-ish couple, a couple of immigrants, arriving in New York at Ellis Island, where mm -hmm. people get off the boats and you know. Yeah. start their new lives in America but they get turned around and sent back mm -hmm. to their home countries because mm -hmm. I think one of them gets has got consumption maybe the same disease as the woman I don't know no he's got a pulmonary heart issue oh okay he's got some health problem but but no it's not just a, like a heart issue it's I'm sure it's something that's like supposed to be contagious and that's why they're not letting him in yeah because uh, you can't catch pulmonary heart disease the, the, the doctor just pointed at his chest and said it's pulmonary yeah I, 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 I was confused by that as yeah, well and I was like so he's gonna have a heart you, you just don't want him dying on you or like, yeah I was very confused by that but yeah. I, I assumed it meant drew a big sign on the back of his suit jacket I'm like yeah. if somebody just drew on the back of your clothes yeah he did it as if he was like a schoolboy playing a prank as well yeah it's like he taps him on one shoulder he turns around and he draws a big chalk mark on his back like yeah like just put a cross on his hand or something yeah. like come on well, yeah, I, I took it to mean he had like the plague or something. Yeah, I don't same. know. Yeah. So they get turned away and they have to go, they they have to get the boat back to their home country. Mm -hmm. They've been turned away from America, but they have a little baby boy and yeah. they don't want to, they desperately want the little boy to get to have his new life in America, mm -hmm. but there's nothing they can do. So while they're on the boat, they steal a toy boat or a model boat, like a ship in a bottle kind of thing. Yeah. And uh, they put the baby in it. Yeah. Which and is that, such a terrible, terrible idea. And then just like, pretty much just lob it off the side of the <laughs> yes. boat they're on. This, this really made me laugh though. It was so stupid, like, but I really laughed at and it. By, and by this point, the boat they're on, it's way, it's way out, out to the sea. Bay. Yeah, it's so far. It's <laughs> like, they're just killing their baby. You know, fingers crossed, this will like float back to America. <laughs> but it was so flimsy. Like, 
one of two things is going to happen if this is anywhere based in the real world. <laughs> one, most likely, the baby's going to just flop straight out, fall to the bottom of the ocean, drown dead. Yeah. In seconds. Like, yeah. the boat was as narrow as the baby. Yeah. And there was nothing keeping the baby in the boat. Yeah. Or two, the boat floats outward into the sea, baby dies a slow, agonizing death. Yeah. Like, this is terrible neg how bad can russia be <laughs> <laughs> they're from ireland as well oh, as with the irish okay yeah. whatever yeah i couldn't tell I well, is that why he had the mysterious irish accent then uh yeah because i was also puzzled by colin farrell having a full irish accent despite him never meeting his parents and yes growing, that was growing that, up in america <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> that was that was odd yeah i don't know but anyway okay maybe so he's just got more standards than russell crowe sure yeah <laughs> i mean he's actually irish so he can deliver it so yeah sure. it, well yeah uh, but whatever that so that baby gets put onto the ocean and floats somehow floats back to america we never see how we never see who rescues the baby like all moments of this film are set at winter uh-huh yeah hence and, the title yeah and that part of the ocean at winter is the same part of the ocean at basically winter where the titanic went down oh and yeah pe and people died in like seconds when they went in the water mm. yeah so that baby would not that the baby is literally in the water, but that baby would get very, very cold very, very quickly. No, there's no two ways about it. They're killing that baby. <laughs> they are awful parents. Like, like that's better than whatever's going on in Ireland right now. Yeah. Exactly. I, I, I don't know my history. Maybe it's the Great Famine or something. Oh, like, I think it was the Potato Famine. Sure. But still, yeah. like, come on. <laughs> this is insane. <laughs> You're just killing the baby. Yeah. So we cut to 20 years later, 1915, I think. Mm -hmm. And that baby has grown up to be Colin Farrell. And he is being chased by a bunch of kind of off-brand Bond villainy kind of. Yes. I was very distracted by the henchmen in this film. <laughs> it's Russell Crowe, mm -hmm. but it's a bunch of random henchmen who are all wearing like bowler hats. And mm -hmm. I don't know. Yeah. But it's mainly it's Russell Crowe. He's chasing them down the streets of New York. Yeah. Uh, Russell Crowe with his, oh, to be sure, what a dreadful Irish accent this was. So this bad. was the worst Irish accent I've ever heard in a movie. Like it went to sort of, Somerset at some point. It went all over. It, <laughs> it, it did a UK and Ireland tour. It, it just went all over the place. At certain points, it, just went, it, it took a detour to New Zealand. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah South was, Africa. It was everywhere. It was it was crazy. Yeah, but Russell Crowe, for reasons that never become entirely clear in this movie, wants Colin Farrell dead. Mm -hmm. This is his like goal in like is to kill Colin Farrell. Yeah. So he corners him in like a dead end street or something. It looks like all hope is lost. But mm -hmm. then out of nowhere. A random white horse shows up. And Colin Farrell's like, horse! Mm -hmm. And he jumps on the horse's back. And the horse <laughs> does a giant leap. <laughs> this, th this was the moment for me. This was like, I'm out. You were like, I'm, I'm, well, see, I'm this is where I was like, I'm in. Like, this, this horse <laughs> has just jumped over a gate. Like, <laughs> and it looked so shitty. It did. It did. It, it just looked so terrible. Yeah, Colin Farrell... Some people can pull off riding a horse. Yeah. I don't think Colin Farrell looks like a natural horseman. No. Yeah. no. Well, also, I don't think at any point he was in this film riding a horse. No. Well, yeah. The, so much of this film was green screened and very yeah. obviously so. Yeah. On, on like a metallic horse or something. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, I, could, I could really see him on like a metallic horse just being mm -hmm. like, but also he never looked comfortable or dash. No. We discussed last week, handsome man, attractive yeah. gentleman, but he never looked like dashing on the horse. He always looked like he was no. clinging to the horse for dear life. Like, yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. In terror of being thrown off that horse. Yeah. But yeah, the horse not just jumps over a gate, but like supernaturally jumps into the sky. I don't think it gets wings at this point. Does it? I mean, it gets wings later. I sort of hints at it at this mm. point. Yeah. But, um, I like how throughout the entire movie or once or twice through, through the movie, 
he talks about how he doesn't know the horse's name. Yeah. And so throughout the whole movie, he just calls it horse. He just calls it horse, yeah. And I was really like, what's the horse's name going to be? <laughs> never tells you. <laughs> it's, just, it's just horse. It never has a name. It never, yeah. I mean, is the, ho- is the horse God? Is the horse's guardian angel? What, what is the horse? I, it, I, I think at one point he said it was like his spirit animal or something. Okay. I don't know where he got that from. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> It's not a thing that's established. In no, it's a dated reference, but sure. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, the horse saves his life, and we never really get much backstory on Colin Farrell. But he seems to like live in Grand Central Station, yeah. maybe, or he's hiding out there. But it seems that he's a thief. Yeah, and he was part of Russell Crowe's gang, mm-hmm. but he has left the gang, and now he's on the run because Russell Crowe wants him dead. So he's basically hiding from Russell Crowe. Yeah. In Grand Central Station. Yeah. And now he has a giant white horse, which is very easy to hide with. Yeah. <laughs> In a train station. In a train station. It just doesn't attract attention in the slightest. So Colin Farrell is hiding out from Russell Crowe. Yeah. And while he's doing that, the horse takes him on the rob. Yeah. Because he's a thief. Yeah. So to make ends meet, I guess, he starts robbing rich people's houses. Yeah. And uh, in one house, he runs into Lady Sybil from Downton Abbey. Mm-hmm. And I can't remember her real name, and I can't remember what her character name is in this film is. So for the purpose of this podcast, she's just going to be called Lady Sybil. Okay. Yeah. Lady Sybil me. from Downton Abbey. Yep. Yeah, and she... I've, I've, I've just called her Redhead One. Redhead One, that could also work, sure. Mm. And she, so she is a rich lady. Because for the purposes of the plot, she basically is just Redhead One. She is Redhead Number One, yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, so she's a rich lady mm-hmm. with a rich family and a big mansion. Mm-hmm. But sadly, 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 she has consumption. Mm-hmm. She has a terminal illness. It's one of those kind of vaguely sexy, symptomless terminal illnesses <laughs> where she has no symptoms, but she's just kind of really zen. Yep. And she's just like, well, I'm going to die soon. So, you know, but like, you know, she's, it's not like she's like hacking up blood or vomiting or it's, going it, bald. She's just kind of like, yeah, I'll be dead soon. It's consumption. What, what is consumption? I've literally never heard of this as a disease. It's a big, so it's, I don't think it exists anymore. It's like a Victorian disease. Right. Okay. And it would kill you. But I don't think it would like make you just serenely like, oh, I can see colors and light. Like, mm. I think you would be vomiting a lot, and I think I think it's like a stomach disorder. Maybe I don't know. I don't, oh, it's okay. not really a real disease anymore, but I don't think not in the Western world anyway. Sure. But yeah, it's in in this world. It in the world of this movie, consumption just means that she's always very hot. Okay. Like literally, her temperature is high mm-hmm. at all times. Yeah. So much so that she sleeps in a tent on a roof. In New York in winter. Yes. Yeah. Sure. And also when she walks barefoot in snow later in the film, Mm -hmm. she's so hot, the snow melts at her feet. This is how hot she is. Wow. Yeah. She cannot bring her body temperature down and she is doomed to die very soon. And we have Mm -hmm. this whole thing. And also she can see light and miracles and all these kind of things. Mm -hmm. Because there's a whole exposition scene where she's getting glasses made. Which oh, never yeah. comes back. Yeah. Literally never comes back. She never sees those glasses. They never get worn. Yeah. It's just an excuse for her to be like, well, you know, I can see light. Which also doesn't matter. It also <laughs> never comes back. It's yeah, just yeah. nonsense. <laughs> just complete nonsense. Complete filler. Yep. But so, but so she's dying. But despite the fact that she's dying, her entire family, which is her dad and her younger sister, mm-hmm. decides to go on like a, a summer, summer trip to a lake house. Mm-hmm. And they decide to just leave her, even though she's like terminally ill. Mm-hmm. She's like, oh, I'll get the next taxi. I'll come along in a few days. I'll just just leave, just leave her on her own. She's fine. She's terminally ill. <laughs> the doctor said she would die two weeks ago. Yeah, it's like, <laughs> uh, uh, she literally is, uh, says it once. Oh, I could go, go anytime. I could mm. be dead tomorrow. Mm. And the next thing it's like, oh, I'll get the next train. See you later. Bye. Yeah, I can take care of myself. I'm only terminally ill with consumption. <laughs> so they just leave her. Yeah. She's alone in the house. She's just wandering around in her big old white floaty dress and playing mm-hmm. piano and being all sick. Mm-hmm. 
And then Colin Farrell, mm -hmm. on the instructions, the horse, <laughs> the horse just stops outside the house and goes, <laughs> There's silver in this house. There's a sexy lady in this house. <laughs> he, yeah, the horse kind of forces him to break into the house, and he does, and he's, he's, he's robbing the house. He's stealing all the silver, mm -hmm. all the valuables yeah and lady sybil interrupts him mm -hmm. well she's playing the piano and she hears him or she hears him like he stands on a mm. floor, a creaky floorboard yeah so they disturb each other and she's like oh are you gonna rob me mm -hmm. she's very serene she mm -hmm. doesn't give a shit she's, she's gonna die anyway so she's completely unbothered by the prospect yeah. of being murdered in her own home yeah he's because he's literally pointing you got a gun at her and she couldn't care less she's just like oh i guess she's robbing us and, she, and are you still gonna rob me and, he, and he's like no probably not it's a bit awkward now yeah and then she's like, oh, well, I guess the polite thing would make some tea then. <laughs> it's, it's the weirdest meet cute. It's weird, yeah. Because, like, they've only both had that reaction because they're both Hollywood pretty. Oh, yeah, sure. Like, no matter who walked into your house, mm -hmm. no matter how handsome, yeah. you wouldn't just stop what you're doing and be like, oh. Yeah. Well, this is their falling in love scene. Their, their, meet, cute, their meet cute is a robbery. <laughs> <laughs> it's a breaking and entry. Yeah. And somehow that means they... Because that's the other thing. It really... As much as this film is slow and boring, mm -hmm. they really fast forward it to being like, we're in love. Yeah. Over the On the basis of like sharing some tea yeah. in a foiled robbery. Yeah. A after this point, they're just in love and we just have to accept it because that's what the film is telling us. That's how films work. He loves her. They're not, they've not even like slept together. They've not had any kind of like... Even an, even the most predictable romance movie gives you something of them actually having a moment to fall in love. Mm. In this film, he breaks into her house. She gives him some tea and it's like, I, I will die for this woman. <laughs> it's like, that's <laughs> it. I will die for her. So yeah, they're now madly in love. Mm -hmm. And somehow Russell Crowe finds out about this. Oh, it's because Russell Crowe, who I think we didn't mention is a demon. Question mark? Yeah, uh, I don't know. I don't know. The film really doesn't let you know because there's sort of supernatural and magical stuff in this film, but it mm. never tells you if like, the main, if like this world is a magical world and everyone knows, yeah. like do all of Russell Crowe's henchmen know that he's the devil or a demon? I, I have no You'd idea. think they would because he does kill that guy. In the, Wait, which guy? There's a scene at this point where he's like in a pub or a bar or a restaurant mm. and he's just eating loads of oysters and stuff mm -hmm. and he, he gives this crazy order and then he just turns green and grows gills and stabs the guy in the throat and all oh, that yeah. stuff. Yeah. I forgot about that. He does that. He randomly kills some poor waiter for not having like double stuffed partridge or whatever the thing he orders yeah. is. And then he gets this weird vision and he draws like a step, like a pencil sketch of a, <laughs> the back of a cartoon lady's head. It's literally mm -hmm. just like a circle with some red hair. Yeah. It's not a detailed drawing. Nope. And he's like, find that girl. Yeah. It's like, but that's a, that's a, that's a stick figure. That's not yeah. a girl. <laughs> it's insane. They like, find that girl. And somehow his henchmen do straight away. They yeah. find it. They just cuts and hard cuts and next scene. <laughs> Lady Sybil walks out of her house. I didn't think she even had particularly red hair. Not much. It was more like no. off brown. Yeah. <laughs> but like, because he, he's drawn this like auburn, you know, proper redhead. Mm -hmm. And it, but no, apparently it's her. And they're like, oh, we found her. That was easy. Yep. And then he tries to kidnap her. Yep. But Colin Farrell manages to ride up in the last minute and save her on horseback. The horse, you know, takes him. So yeah, Russell Crowe grabs Lady Sybil and is like, I'm kidnapping you. And then Colin Farrell rides up on his white horse. But even though it's a horse, <laughs> not a quiet way of traveling. No. Russell Crowe doesn't see or hear him coming until he's like right there. Yeah. Did you notice he comes running up 
He comes riding up, sorry, and he kind of grabs Lady Sybil out of Russell Crowe's hand. And Russell Crowe's like, what? (laughs) It's a horse. You'd hear that shit down the road. I mean, later in the film, Russell Crowe does the same to him. Yeah. Like, he just pops up out of nowhere. Just like, oh, I was was looking for you. I found you. Hello. Mm. I'm going to kill you now. Yeah. I felt like Russell Crowe in this movie looked and acted like a Super Mario Brothers villain. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. he kind of looked like a Goomba because he had, like, he, he's, he's reached the no neck stage. Like, mm. he's well on his way. Like, he's a very weird shape in this. He's so weird. That topless scene later in the movie. I was going to say, yeah. What, uh, what is he made out of balloons? I think they <laughs> I think they must have CGI'd him a little bit because he looked like the guy, I, I don't, you probably don't know who this person is, but yeah, in that brief topless scene, he looked like that reality TV guy who was on Celebrity Big Brother a few years ago who had a silicon enhanced six pack mm-hmm. put on top of his beer belly. Right. So he didn't like get into shape <laughs> or get fit or lose weight. This guy, he just like, he was, he's like a fairly like fat guy mm. who got a sick, a, a silicon six pack inserted. Mm-hmm. So he stood like a big beer belly. Yeah. But on top of the beer belly was a six pack. Wow. And that's what Russell Crowe looked like in this movie. In yeah. that topless scene. It was so weird. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they must've CGI'd it. They, they must've, it must've just been like, well, I'll, I'll do a topless scene, but you may, better make me look fucking good. Like, yep. It was, and they, they did not. They, they, they did not. He looked terrible. He they had, probably made him look worse than he actually looks. Yeah. Really, like, really. He just looked odd because he had literally, he's, he's reached the no neck phase. He has yeah. literally no neck in this film. He's just like, yeah. He actually, when he turned into a snowman, I was like, well, that makes sense because he kind of has the proportions of a snowman. Yeah. It's just all head and body. <laughs> like tiny head, big body. Like, it's, it, <laughs> yeah. it was madness. Like, yeah. <laughs> but he just felt like, he felt like King Cooper as well. Not just like looking at it like, because he's like, he's grabbing the print. He's like, ah, I've got you, princess. You know, mm-hmm. she's basically Princess Peach in this scene. Sure. And then Colin Farrell rides up on his horse and like grabs him out of the way. And, and Russell Crowe's just like, ah! Yeah. Like, it was, it was, I don't know, it just it felt like very video gamey. See, for me, it felt a lot like Les Rob. Well, that's, yeah, he, he yeah. I've, I think, I think Russell Crowe's career, right? Starts <laughs> off very, uh, tangent, starts off very well. Like, he's a great, he, you know, he did Gladiator, he did LA Confidential, he did... Neighbours. You know, neighbor, well, Neighbours maybe doesn't fit into this theory, but like, <laughs> no, he was at one point considered one of the greats. Sure, actors, it, yeah, yeah, yeah. And at some point, everything just went a bit south. Yeah. And I think Les Mis is the point. <laughs> I think that is the moment <laughs> when uh, everything after that just went, woof, like downward spiral. Yeah. Like, he either stopped trying or something happened to him. I don't know. Yeah. Um, yeah, that makes sense. I feel like Javert is the exact midpoint between good Russell Crowe and crazy Russell Crowe. Yeah. I enjoy both Russell Crowe's, but this is this is definitely on the downward trajectory. Like, yeah. yeah, no, I'll, I'll, I'll give you yeah. that. This feels like a continuation. This is like Javert, but Javert not singing. I was really expecting like any scene to with him to finish. And I am Javert. Yes. Well, it's the same character. It's this <laughs> it guy really who's is. randomly obsessed with like getting revenge on this one person. And you There's a major why. time jump in the middle. Yeah. Like, <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. And he's still crazy questionable accent work it's all there yeah mm-hmm. yeah dead at the end he dies at the end yes didn't turn into a snowman in Les Mis though that I mean that would have made Les Mis slightly less boring yeah. if he'd ended as a snowman <laughs> sure like, yeah. <laughs> no I mean I, I had a lot of fun with it but it was crazy so yes yeah, so Russell Crowe tries to steal Lady Sybil but Colin Farrell saves her and they ride off to the lake house where her family is staying mm-hmm and yeah this I mean I can understand why this is why you tuned out because this scene is very very long or well, this mm-hmm. section of the film it's very long and makes no sense. Because mm-hmm. sometimes it seems like... And it's, has no dialogue. It has very little dialogue, you're right. Because at certain points, it seems like it's just her family. Like, cause there's her, it's William Hurt who plays her dad. Mm-hmm. There's her little sister who's like eight years old. Mm-hmm. And then there's Colin Farrell. And it's yeah. like, okay, so the family in this lake house. But then there's another scene where it's like 
a big dance party and there's like 200 people. I was like, what is it? What is this? Where are they? Yeah. What is this lake house? I, is this a family reunion? Like I, what? I, I don't know. I have no idea what it was, but whatever. So they go to the lake house and this is where we get like, all the scenes of her walking barefoot through the snow. Mm-hmm. And she's like, oh my God, I'm so hot. Look, the, the snow is melting. The, mm-hmm. the snow is melting. My feet are melting snow. Mm-hmm. And Colin Farrell teaches her his method for cooling down. And he's like, well, just, just take a deep breath and then say a bunch of nonsense and then you'll cool down. And I was like, well, that is a perfect like analogy for this film. Yeah. <laughs> That's how this film was written, clearly. Yep. <laughs> She's like, you're making me so hot. No, you're making me so cold. <laughs> <laughs> you're making me anti-hot. <laughs> yeah. Mm. Yeah. Can you hear your heart? When the fever comes, it's about the only thing I can hear. When you go to crack your first safe, your heart beats so loud you can't hear the tumblers. And you have to learn to quieten it, slow it down, so you can work between the beats. The trick to it is lists, meaningless words. You say as you exhale to slow down the breath. Inhale quietly. Exhale and say the words until the breath is gone. Got it? I think so. Do you need a list? Animals are good, colors, saints. Castor. Pollux. Capella. Ursa Major. Ursa Minor. And I actually forgot, you mentioned earlier that mm. she gets poisoned in this scene. Because mm-hmm. she goes to a dance party. They all go to a dance party. I actually thought he just sexed her to death, which I found hysterically funny. It's, it's way better that way. That's way much funnier. Because yeah. she's, she's ill, you know? Yeah. And it says that but, if she but, gets too hot, she'll die. And what's hotter than sex? You exactly, know? <laughs> exactly, yeah. Mm. yeah. And like, it sucks with covers on and everything. I'm oh, like, yeah. well, take the covers off, you maniac. Mm. But yeah, she gets poisoned by somebody. Yeah. But you, also, you never see her drinking that champagne. No. Like, the waiter pours them each a glass of champagne. They both look at look at it, and then without either of them saying anything or looking at each other, they both simultaneously put the champagne down and walk off and go and have a dance. Yeah. Nobody's drunk any, and then it gets poisoned. Maybe he did sex her to death then. Yeah. I prefer to think that Colin Farrell sexed her to death. Sure. Okay. It, it's it's more entertaining, and yeah. it doesn't really matter in the grand scheme of things. It's kind so, of selfish as well. Though. Kind of, yeah. But I mean, she's the one who's like, I've never been kissed on the mouth before. Like, well, you've got a consumption. Mm. <laughs> Sorry. Um, <laughs> but yeah, basically, they go to this party. Oh, the little sister does this whole waffly stuff that comes back later about, oh, in this magical lake house that we live in, there's the princess bed, which is like in a greenhouse. Oh, God. And something is foretold that you will... See, now, this I, I completely phased over. Okay. I picked up on it by the end, but when it comes back at the end, I wasn't like... Oh, that was that bit that I missed. I was like, what? Mm. <laughs> what is this? Understandable. So basically, it, there is a princess bed, which is like a mattress in a greenhouse yeah. in the lake house, whatever. Yeah. 
where it is foretold that Colin Farrell, or I guess anyone, I don't know, will bring a princess back to life by laying her on the bed. Yeah. Basically. So that's just, that's just all foreshadowing that's put out there. Then they go to the party, they go back, they have sex. Mm-hmm. Uh, Lady Sybil and Colin Farrell have sex. And she just dies in the middle of it. Yep. She just, in the middle of sex. She's well, the, end, the end of it. Oh, the end of it, sure. Yeah. I guess she, she comes and dies. Yeah. Worst ways to go, I guess. But yeah. Yeah. She's just very much going to go, eh, and then she's dead. Mm-hmm. Like, but she's, I did laugh at how much she was like fully a corpse. Yeah. Because they just had sex and then she's kind of like, she dies with her eyes open. It wasn't <laughs> like a romantic kind of like, uh, 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 and then she like closes her eyes mm-hmm. and it looks like she's sleeping. Mm-hmm. She just literally kind of goes, uh, and her eyes are still open. And it's like, she's a full corpse. And I was yep. like, that's pretty funny. Yeah. I, I was entertained by that. <laughs> Well, he like races into the princess bed and he's like kissing her. It's like Sleeping Beauty kind of thing, basically. Yeah. But no, no, she's she's fully dead. There's there's nothing to. So do. I didn't understand what the princess bed was at this point. So, mm. like he he realizes that she's dead and starts yeah. panicking. Yes. And I'm like, well, she was gonna die anyway. So you know, it's it's probably a good way to go. And then he's like, no, 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 I need need to bring her back. I need to save her life. I'm like she she was gonna die. Yeah. But like it's fine. Let her die. And then like he starts he picks her up and runs off down with downstairs with her i'm like that's not gonna help anything give her cpr or something (laughs) like like by the the time you get anywhere she's already going to be dead and then it goes and puts it in another bed it's the magic bed harry it's the magic of this universe but what oh is is this her cold place is this supposed to make her better because it's her cold place well fancy that it didn't work because she's been dead for five minutes because you weren't doing cpr well i wondered late i mean jump into the end when he rescues the Jennifer Connelly's daughter and yeah. brings her back to life. Has he cured her leukemia? I, I assume so, through magic. Sure, yeah, because uh, yeah, because if he's just brought her back to life in that moment, then she's still just going to suffer even more. Mm. Like, so I, I didn't understand the logic of it, but whatever. Yeah. So she's dead, basically. Yeah. Lady Sybil has passed on. Yep. Colin Farrell is devastated. He goes back to New York. Mm-hmm. I guess he's got nothing to live for anymore. He mm-hmm. is discovered once again by. Russell Crowe, Javert, whatever he is, <laughs> whatever he is. Yeah, him and his horse both get captured and taken onto a boat. Mm-hmm. Or, was it a boat or a bridge? Bridge. It was a bridge. Okay, they get, they get, ca- oh, that's it. Well, they get cornered and sort of they're backed cornered onto on a bridge. They're cornered on a bridge and yep. he fights and fights and rescues the horse. So the horse, is this the first time the horse fully flies? Uh, yeah, kind of. Like it jumps off that cliff at one point and sort of glides down to the icy lake. Sure. But um, basically, but yeah, multiple that... points in this film, this white horse that, Colin Farrell rides mm. will leap into the air and get the most shitty looking CGI mm-hmm. wings, which made me laugh every single time. And it can fly basically. Yeah. So it's a magic horse. Yeah. We don't know why we don't know what it is or what it's for, but it's a magic horse. Yeah. So Colin Farrell fights and fights and fights, rescues the horse from the gangsters, but is himself captured. And then <laughs> this really made me laugh <laughs> when Russell Crowe, like quadruple headbutts him. So weird. Like <laughs> if, I, I, th- I think I was half expecting Colin Farrell's character to be like, why aren't you just punching me? <laughs> Why are you punching me with this your face? Really fed into my, this fed into my theory that <laughs> Russell Crowe in this movie is playing a Super Mario villain because he's only got this one move. It like, was so weird. I, I understand. I, I, I don't. I've never seen anybody like fully headbutt anybody else, mm-hmm. and it feels like a ridiculous thing because you're just going to hurt yourself just That's as much. What, like, not but like I spend a lot of time headbutting people, but it hurts you as much as it hurts the other person. Yeah, it's not an effective way to win a fight. And I understand in films that like sometimes somebody gets a headbutt in because there's no other option. Yeah. There's loads of other ways that he could have inflicted pain and eventually killed him. Mm. I don't know why he only chose to use his head. Well, and it wasn't just like once using his head. It, it was, was like, like five times. Yeah. Yeah. Well, at the beginning of the film, when he's, when he's first chasing Colin Farrell so and he's cornered. And, he and like him. this, I know that, that Russell Crowe is technically immortal, but he's not 
uninjurable. He's got a massive scar on his face. Yeah, which, yeah, exactly. So, mm. but I remember at the beginning of the film when Russell Crowe is chasing Colin Farrell and Colin Farrell before the horse saves him is cornered and his henchmen are going to shoot him. Yeah. And then Russell Crowe says, no, 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 don't shoot him. I want to do this slowly. Yeah. And then when he finally gets him, <laughs> he doesn't do it slow. He just headbutts him five times and throws him over a bridge. Yeah. How slow is that? I don't, I, I, I don't know. And I, I was also thinking like, Russell Crowe, you've basically made it your, apparently your life's work to find and kill this guy. Yeah. Are you not even going to like do it in a way that you know that he's dead? Mm-hmm. You're just going to throw him off a bridge into, well, film level cold water. I know it's winter again. It'll kill sure, him in yeah. seconds. But like, you've not seen a dead body. So he could be around anywhere. Oh, and guess what? He's immortal. Yeah. Because <laughs> of course he is. I had yeah. to let the cold water bit go at this point because he's... He lived for a further yeah. hundred years. It's magical realism, sure. Um, yeah, no, I agree. It's 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 crazy. So yeah, he headbutts him five times and throws him over the bridge. Colin Farrell survives, obviously, washes up on the shore, uh, and then a hundred years pass. Yep. And then he transforms, and then it's nineteen. No, it's two thousand. It's gone from nineteen fifteen to two thousand fourteen or something. Yeah. And Colin Farrell has now turned into sad Keanu Reeves. Yeah, pretty much. He had he has Keanu Reeves hair. Yeah, his hair still varies though. He has two very distinct haircuts. He's got the long Keanu Reeves hair, mm-hmm. and then he's also got the the Colin Farrell undercut. The undercut drove me nuts. Yeah, because like, he, he, did he have the undercut back in the olden days? He had the undercut in 1915, and it okay. looked so wrong. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, like, it didn't fit 1915 no. at all. Like, no. Was he filming Fantastic Beasts at this point or something? I don't know because he, it it looked like so much effort to have it all just swept to one side. Yeah, yeah. yeah it. I don't know. I, I don't think that the film had any choice on his hair. I think that he chose that. Yeah. Much and, like Will Smith. Yeah. It was like he turned up on the day and like, well, this is what I'm wearing. So just deal with it. <laughs> yeah. Um, and when they did manage to get a choice of what to do with his hair, they just put him in a Keanu Reeves wig. Mm-hmm. And then I guess in the future, once he's grown out of that, the character's grown out of that hair. At some point, Colin Farrell just said, I'm taking this wig off. Yeah, <laughs> he was done with it. Yeah. And he just goes back to the exact same haircut again. Yeah, we never see the haircut scene. Yeah. And it it really made me, it, it, it really confused me because I was like, well, wait, is this past him or is this future him or what's going on here? Yeah, because like, it's... How many versions of him are there? Yeah, you're right, because we never, there's no reason to think he's had a makeover. Like, yeah. No. <laughs> not, no. No time has passed. It's like from what, you're right, in one scene he's got the longer and the next, it, clearly Colin Farrell's like, yeah, I'm, guys, I'm not wearing this for the next six months. Just no. Yeah. I'm done. <laughs> I'm going back to my my undercut. Yeah, it's what I'm comfortable with. Yeah, I mean, and that undercut does not look good on him. It I'm doesn't. So, I'm I mean, sorry, it looks it looks better than the long hair. He definitely doesn't see the long hair. But, sure. Yeah. But you're right. Both neither of them are good haircuts for him. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, so he's but he's lived a hundred years. He's not aged a day. Mm. He's lost his memory, but he still has like buried memories of Lady Sybil because he's yeah. he's doing that same sketch that Russell Crowe did of the redheaded woman. Yep. He's now painting in chalk in New York Central Park, whatever mm-hmm. it is. Um, yeah. Um, yeah. So he's doing that. He's lost. He's, he's been living as, I mean, I don't know what, what's he been doing for a hundred years? How, does he have a house? Where does he live? Is he a vagrant? I imagine he's just still a common thief. He, well, he has said he doesn't have any memory. Sure. Like yeah. he literally forgets about what's her face like in a day. Jennifer Connelly. Yeah. Sure. Makes sense. Yeah. So he's, he's just living day to day basically. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, he, he ends up stumbling Oh, is that when he discovers the the thing you were talking about earlier, the boat uh, sign that says... He just, he, I think he's just always had that in his pocket. Okay, well, he discovers something that triggers a memory, and he goes to the library Yeah. to try and find out his past. And Jennifer Connolly shows up, and is like, I'm a journalist, I'll help you. Mm-hmm. And somehow there's 
loads of like sepia black and white photos of him and Lady Sybil together. Yeah. Like, when did they pose for those? I, I, I don't know. When was the photo shoot element of this I whole story? I don't know. And given that, given that he's just looking for a redheaded girl, yeah. he doesn't even know his own name. Mm-hmm. How did they find any of these photos? Yeah. Like from all the photos in history that have ever been taken. They just happen to find these ones. They happen to find the exact right photos. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know. And then, I mean, How could they even tell what color her hair was? It was a very light red <laughs> and it's a black and white photo. Yeah, there's no, there's no <laughs> indication yet. But Jennifer Connelly's like, oh my God, you're, how can it be? It's you. You haven't aged a day in a yeah. hundred years. Like, you know, at no point is she like, I was waiting for her to be like, is that your granddad? Clearly it is him. Yeah. But she, the way she just jumps immediately to immortal. Yeah. Just really made me laugh. Like, so weird. Yeah. <laughs> but then she's like, oh, I need to take you to my, uh, where I work, the, the newspaper. Mm. You're, you're a story. So she takes him to the New York Times. Is that, is that what happened? Yes. Is that really what happened? Yes. That's why. Yeah. God, because I thought that it would be like, he's trying to get in touch with the with the little girl who's now an old lady or whatever. No, that's a coincidence. That's a co- Oh my God. <laughs> that made me laugh more than anything else in this film this reveal really made me cackle wow okay uh, okay clearly you didn't but i i well no because tickled I, by how stupid this was i wasn't engaged enough to i understand to to, okay. to, to understand like, i i just thought like oh okay so he went to go and like catch up with the only person that he knows because he just had his memory triggered by this yeah no no it's jennifer connelly's idea she's like i'm going to take you to the newspaper that i work for and the newspaper this is a hundred years what, in the future. What would, what would the newspaper even... What would the story be? <laughs> man lives forever. Oh, <laughs> extremely old man looks good. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> this man looks the same as a man in another photo. Yeah. Written by a chef. Yeah. Written, like... <laughs> Who knows? Who knows? Right, I'm taking it straight to the editor-in-chief. Like, yeah. have you ever seen the internet? This happens all the time. Yeah. Hold the front pages. Yeah. <laughs> so she takes him up to the, the offices of her newspaper... And the editor of the newspaper comes shuffle that is this very old lady. And it turns out he recognizes You say instantly. very old. I mean, she's 108. Yeah, but she's not though, is she? No, no, the actress is like 76. Yeah. I don't know, but like, that's the other thing that made me laugh. It's like, we've lit, you very clearly jumped 100 years into the future. Yeah. The girl was like eight to 12 yeah. in the first. Like she's, 100 and, she's like 105 by this logic. And she's running yeah. a newspaper. And like, yeah, she, she looks sprightly like she's, she looks perfectly fine but she she's looks, running a newspaper yeah at 105 she should have been as old as the lady from the titanic yes like yes that sort of passes for like she's you know pushing 110 like, yeah. i i can i can i can believe it mm. but this one like she she comes in she does some star jumps and <laughs> she's fine she's absolutely yeah it's and, and they recognize each other instantly even though like she's just yeah Literally a hundred years old. Not even got her bus pass yet. No, she's absolutely fine. Yeah. yeah. And again, this doesn't really lead to anything. She doesn't have. She plays no part in what happens after this. Yeah, she's that's just true. Kind of, yeah. She's just kind of like, <laughs> oh, it's you. And uh, yeah, yeah. A little bit of a connection between the two halves of the yeah timeline. I don't know. Anyway, at this point, I am really wondering when it, when on earth is this going to wrap up? I, okay, I can like, imagine. It, yeah. it just feels like they're adding more in, like. So now there's an old lady involved. Like this is a new character to me. What? What? What is she? Because also I didn't remember the the sister. Sure. I mean, fair enough. Yeah. So fair. I was like, okay, I guess that uh, redhead one had a sister. Fine, I can I can believe that. Now she's here. Fine, I can believe that too. Mm-hmm. It's later that I add it up that like over a hundred years has passed. But yeah, whatever. <laughs> well, whatever. Basically, yeah, they have a little bit of a reconnection moment. Meanwhile, Russell Crowe, who was also not aged i guess he's a demon so he's not gonna age yeah i guess he's as mortal as colin farrell yeah so we didn't talk about would you, would you think colin farrell is also a demon though i think he colin farrell 
said that he was a miracle. He's a self-proclaimed miracle. Mm-hmm. That's that's the explanation. He is a but miracle. Russell Crowe seems to work for the devil. He seems to be like an angel of death or something. Something like that, yeah. Because, I mean, we haven't talked about Will Smith. Will Smith is the devil. Yep. But Colin Farrell, we see him being... I, I thought Colin Farrell didn't... think of the second Will Smith scene? When... Well, they don't really talk about it very much, but then at the end, Will Smith sort of reaches out to Russell Crowe emotionally, just saying like, <laughs> "Yeah, I'm gonna miss you, man." Yeah. yeah, you get used to people. Yeah, that that felt like a lot of in, important in between scenes got cut. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I didn't really get anything between them. Like, no. if they were trying to make like any kind of friendship or like even a romance mm. between those two, nothing. No, Russell Crowe, nothing yeah. at all. Will Smith needed to be in more than five minutes of this movie for that to ever yeah. have worked what well, he didn't yeah i so my understanding was that will smith is the literally satan yeah and russell crowe is like one of his minions yeah but maybe he's a minion that will smith kind of likes who knows i think so yeah. yeah yeah but yeah it's just so funny that will smith is in this movie at all it's just it really it's so is. unlikely yeah because initially because will smith doesn't really play small roles no he doesn't yeah like he, what, what possessed him to do this like the devil and he's got the yeah, and he's got all this crazy like computer generated voice going on and that was weird yeah didn't like it no when he's like time you ask me about time i've lived in the past and the present and the future all at once see my Jimi hendrix t-shirt <laughs> he's not even been born yet you don't even know what rock and roll is psych <laughs> <laughs> i've been to his concerts just today right it's madness like, mm-hmm. but anyway so yeah Russ, will smith is the devil Woo! Woo! Exactly. <laughs> uh will smith is the devil and russell crowe is serving him and so russell crowe's also lived 100 years what yeah. he's been doing in the meantime god only knows well he's still in he's still in the police yeah and he, he seems to be all like still mm. and our police chief or whatever sure and he's still carrying around the same wanted poster from literally 100 years ago oh oh okay i know you will never Point, want... pointing it at some pointing at one of the police officers saying go and find this man mm. and the police officer says that's you know that's over 100 years old right mm. And that's the only question he's got. Yeah, so that's the, yeah. But okay, I know you will never ever watch this film again. So this yeah. isn't for you. But listeners, if you're going to go watch this film, I have a very strong recommendation. In this set of scene, and you'll remember it because this is this is the Russell Crowe topless scene, and it's very upsetting. So you'll you'll notice it when Russell Crowe is in the 20th century, when he's in his apartment, and he's like, I sense that Peter Lake, which is Colin Farrell's character, I sense. He can't be still alive, can he? Wait, did, did you mean the 21st century? The 21st century. So yes, the, the modern scenes. Yeah. Sorry, 21st century. When he senses that Colin Farrell is alive again. Yeah. And he does this topless scene. And all, he's one, and this, but this scene when he's talking to the police officer, he's like, he's 100 years old. Mm-hmm. There is a bit where he's got, where he's standing in front of a chalkboard mm-hmm. with, with like crazed scribbles on it. <laughs> it's like, very much like his character in A Beautiful Mind. Yeah. It's just, he's doing all the maps. If you pause it and read what's on that thing, mm-hmm. on that blackboard, it's so ridiculous it's ju- he's just written peter lake question mark which is yeah. colin farrell's character yeah and then an arrow that points to another word bubble that says redhead girl question mark <laughs> and then they just keep it's just that over and over again all over the screen it's just like peter lake question mark redhead girl question mark like oh God. <laughs> the, the full the whole thing is just that it's so lazy and funny <laughs> great it's ridiculous yeah so watch out for that but anyway, yeah, Russell Crowe is still alive and he senses that Colin Farrell has somehow survived. Why this is the first time he's recognized this, I guess it's because Colin Farrell's memories come back. So mm-hmm. something's triggered. Yeah. So he goes back to Lucifer and he's like, look, we, I need to finish him off. I need to, because f- for undisclosed reasons, this is his life's work. He has to kill Colin Farrell. He's mm-hmm. like, I, we need to fight to the death. 
and I need your permission, Lucifer, to kill him. And Lucifer's like, well, I'll tell you what. If you insist, then we'll do a whole pact where you can fight him and the one who dies, dies for real. Mm -hmm. So I guess that he's, Lucifer is lifting the immortality clause for a little while. Yeah. And so and so Russell Crowe's like, yeah, fine, I'll take it, whatever. Yeah. Uh, and then he chases down Colin Farrell and Jennifer Connelly. Mm -hmm. And Jennifer Connelly has a little girl mm -hmm. who also has red hair yeah. who is dying from leukemia. Yeah. Because of course she is. Yep. And there's a scene in the in Jennifer Connelly's apartment because Jennifer Connelly is just this random journalist who's helped Colin Farrell out, discovered him on the streets, helped him find his memories, took yeah. him to the newspaper yeah. where he could reconnect with the old lady. But now they're just like friends, I guess. But he's in her apartment and the little girl is like feeling very ill and she lies down on the couch and she's she turns around and because she's got cancer and I guess she's lost all her hair, mm -hmm. I don't know, she's wearing like a red headscarf. Mm -hmm. And she turns around and suddenly it's like, you're the sketch. You're the badly drawn sketch. It's you. <laughs> it wasn't Lady Sybil at all. It's you. Mm -hmm. You're the one I'm going to save. You're the life I'm going to save. Yep. And then he's like, okay, great. So Jennifer Connelly, I'm going to take your kid and we're going to fly out to this random lake house on a flying white horse. Yep. That's on the, by the way, that is on the roof. Yep. There was a flying white horse. I mean, on he, the he, doesn't, he, doesn't, he doesn't sail this. He doesn't explain anything. I, I think that if he explained anything, she wouldn't have gone with him at all. Well, she would have been like, oh my God, you're insane. Get out of my apartment right now. But she where, does where, it. Yes, because he doesn't explain anything. He, he, he just kind of says like, people are coming. We need to go. They might hurt me. They might hurt them. Yeah. Uh, the, the girl. We need to go. Doesn't say, get on my flying horse. I'll take you to safety. No, but he takes her up, he to, takes the, her up to the roof. Where and, there and is a then, horse. And then when like, there's no more choices, you know, like, because otherwise she might have just been like, I'm just going to call the police. Sure. Or just like leave at the, at the front or back door and just like go down the street or whatever. But she has literally no context for what's going on. Not at all. But when like suddenly your only choice is you're on a roof, there are people like at the door to the roof trying to trying to get in mm -hmm. and there's a horse. Get on a horse. But it's a horse on a roof. And she's got a very sick daughter and she's like, Yeah, okay, sure, let's jump on a horse and let it jump off this like eighteen story building. Yeah, I get I, I it's it's mad. I don't know. Anyway, so they they ride the horse. I guess, yeah, she's not seen a single bit of magic yet. No, she? for all she knows, she's just like committing suicide. Uh, no, she, she, she does fully believe that he's immortal, though. So I guess there's that, yeah. It's flimsy yeah. compared to letting, getting on a horse and jumping off and, you know, yeah. the Empire State. Yeah. I mean, it's not the Empire State, but it's a tall building. Yeah. Um, whatever. So they do that and they fly off on the flying horse to the lake house. Mm -hmm. Russell Crowe gives chase with his henchmen. Mm -hmm. And this was maybe the funny. No, this and the old lady scene. This is one of the funniest scenes. So they have a standoff, like it's snowing, it's, it's, it's a winter's tale, mm -hmm. it's very cold, they're at the lake house in the middle of nowhere, Russell Crowe's caught up with them, with his henchmen, all the random guys, and... They all park their cars on a frozen lake. They park their car... On, on basically Chekhov's frozen lake. I felt like there was one car and like 20 guys. <laughs> so I don't know if it was like a clown car. There were five cars. Were there five cars? Yeah. Okay, fine, but they're on the ice, whatever, yeah. And Russell Crowe and his goons have cornered Jennifer Connelly and Rus and Colin Farrell mm -hmm. and the little girl. And then the horse appears. The horse comes back. Yeah. And Colin Farrell's like, you know what to do, horse. Yeah. And the horse <laughs> jumps over all the, the villains, mm -hmm. flies off on his crazy sh shitty CGI wings again. Mm -hmm. And Russell Crowe's like, ha, the horse has left you. Mm -hmm. And then the horse comes back, mm -hmm. smacks into the ice, mm -hmm. and then the ice cracks all around all the henchmen. And the henchmen all just fall into... Like, the ice flips over and all the henchmen are just like, whoa! And like mm -hmm. 25 henchmen just go down under the water. Not one of them tries to save themselves. Nope. It really tickled me. Yeah. It was so stupid. Yeah. And Russell Crowe just kind of looks at it like, 
Mm, that's, that's unfortunate. Like, yeah. it's just, it was such a mad scene. I'm, I don't think I'm like displaying accurately in the podcast form how mad that scene was. Like, it's <laughs> insane. It was an insane piece of cinema. It was insane, but I found it very predictable. I guess because it was like, well, I guess they have to get rid of them somehow. Yeah, know? I mean, there's a frozen icy lake. When in a film has anybody ever not fallen into the frozen icy lake? Sure, sure, sure. Fine. It always happens. Yeah. Literally always happens. Somebody falls yeah. in at some yeah. point. I mean, fair enough, fine. So, yeah, the horse does that. And so now it's just Russell Crowe and Colin Farrell and Jennifer Connelly and the kid. And the kid is very rapidly dying of hyperthermia. Yeah. At this point. And I'm like, <laughs> Jennifer Connelly, you made some bad choices as a mother. You yeah, really... I don't know why you're just hanging around waiting. Yeah, go indoors, do something. Yeah. But Russell Crowe and Colin Farrell, they fight to the death. They have mm-hmm. a big old fight. Colin Farrell stabs Russell Crowe in the neck with his sign. sign. Yeah. Uh, and then Russell Crowe turns into a snowman. Yeah, he does. He just freezes and then he kind of shatters and... He doesn't even shatter. He just turns into a... He just like, literally fu- turns into a snowman. A fully built snowman. And you're like, well, okay, I guess that just happened. Like, yeah. I had no reaction to that scene. I was just like, well, okay. Yeah, ex- exactly. Yeah, I, just, I just didn't really know what to do with it. <laughs> yeah, there was, no, there was no context for it. Yeah. Like, okay, I guess he's turned into a snowman. I guess yeah. that's the end. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then the little girl dies. Yeah. Uh, Colin Farrell takes her to the same princess bed where he failed to save Lady Sybil. Yeah. And puts her on the bed and then there's this very uncomfortable scene where he's like lying this girl down on the bed and he's like looming over and he's like stay alive does he kiss her oh, i don't know i can't i remember being like oh please don't kiss her she's eight yeah and you're 45 <laughs> right it's, it's just weird. 145 you're 145 but you look 45 and i was yeah. like this is weird and jennifer connelly's just at no point is jennifer connelly like take your hands off my daughter she's just like yeah but it's not that though it's it, it's not he's just no, i'm not saying he's molesting her but i'm just like <laughs> Her daughter has just died and she's just kind of like sat there like, all right. Yeah, she's letting the immortal man do his thing. Okay, fine. Anyway, so Colin Farrell does I, his I, magic. I don't know. For whatever reason. I can't believe we've flipped and you're now defending the I, I don't. I don't know why. I don't know why. It's just my natural state. I just okay. always give the benefit of the doubt, even if it's an absolute shit piece of film. Fair enough, fair enough. So yeah, Colin Farrell, spoiler alert, saves the girl's life. Like she, the magic happens. She comes back to life. I guess she doesn't have leukemia anymore. I don't yeah. know. And then Colin Farrell jumps on the horse and jumps into the sky and becomes a star. Yeah. And then that's the end of the movie. Yeah. <laughs> I also laughed a lot when he just jumped into the sky and became a star. Yeah. And then Jennifer Connelly and the little girl are just left there in this random lake house. Like, how are they going to get home? Yeah. Yeah. I, I was way more expecting him to just turn into a snowman as well. Yeah. Just like, <laughs> like, we're walking through the air. Yeah. <laughs> sure. Yeah. I mean, anything could have happened in this film. It's so ludicrous. Yeah. By the end, nothing would have surprised me. No. And then it just ends with the, the the credits roll, and it's a bunch of like, fo- like old sepia photographs of Jennifer. I turned off by this point. You're just like, yeah, we're done. I, I hear the credits. <laughs> yeah. I hear Hans Zimmer. I'm yep. gone. Yeah. Yep. Fine. Yeah. Well, that's the end. This was a bad choice. I mean, I've enjoyed talking about it. It's been all right to talk about. Well, I'm sorry it was such a depressing experience to watch, but I feel like it was fun to talk about. But I'll get. I promise I'll give you a break from bad films. But we'll do good films for a while now. Good. I mean, when it's my choice. I have no control over what anyone else chooses. But Sure, yeah. yeah. But, you know, I, I've generally chosen pretty well recently. Sure, yeah. Well, we'll see how it goes. See how you've done recently. Mm-hmm. Well, I'll try, I'll try and redeem myself in January. Okay, okay, so drinking games. Drinking games, yeah. What have you got? <clears throat> so, first one I got, drink for anything shiny. Drink for anything. Do you mean like in the mythology of this film? Like, oh, they're shining. They're, they're, they're magical stars. They're miracles. Well, yeah, there's stuff like that. There's um, there's like that, that bit where she tries on glasses. Mm-hmm. 
well, don't know what that scene was, but yeah, there's that, and there's the, the light is doing a lot of weird things there, especially with the <laughs> lenses. I wasn't sure if it was supposed to be like a thing, like a plot point. Yeah, they never explained what this was. Yeah, I'm sure it makes sense in the book. And do you remember in uh, modern day Russell Crowe's apartment? <laughs> yes. When he stopped us, and he, he walks up to the window, and just like, oh, I sense that Peter Lake is alive, and then just dips his hands in lots of jewels and just sort of rubs them about on himself. What on earth is going on? <laughs> but then he also... And, 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 and they're, they're reflecting the light up, up into his face and making him look all weird colours. And so that's why I was like, what is? what are these shiny things? What do they represent? Yeah. Never never comes up. Do you remember when he actually literally said, there's like these weird little coins, aren't there, that, you, mm. that, that if you flip them or if you, I don't know, whatever, they create some kind of symbol of the light. They, they tell him where Colin Farrell is. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And he flings it and he goes, Yahtzee! Like, what? <laughs> like the game? What? I, 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 I don't know. It's, it's I, 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 I don't have an answer for you. But what, no. One of them creates a hologram of yeah. Grand Central Station? Yes. Okay. It's just, that never comes up again. This film is just insane. I think this would have been a good TV show. No, a better TV show. Yes, I think they probably could have got more in. I think clearly there was way too much plot that they needed to pack in that they failed yeah. to pack into a two-hour movie. So, yeah. yeah. A miniseries might have worked better. The book, by the way, I've yeah. not read it. I don't know it particularly well. Apparently, has been voted one of the 25 greatest books of the 21st century. Whoa. So apparently the book is very good. Whoa. But the films are not. Wow, that, <laughs> yeah. is, that is a very good mm. award to get. Mm. Wait, who voted for this? Was it the author? I don't know, readers. <laughs> I'm at some mag I don't know, readers? Okay. Critics? A magazine? I don't know. Someone voted it one of the 25 best books of the 21st century. So. Wow. Is it up there with like the book version of Mortal Kombat? And, uh, no, Mortal Engines. And Mortal stuff. Engines, possibly, yeah. No, it's just the whole list of like, yeah, bad films, good movies. <laughs> bad films, good books. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> Who can say? And that's it. <laughs> Grand Central Station. Let's go and kill him. Uh, okay. Drink every time you spot bad CGI. <laughs> this is one of my favorite games in this film. What, especially just watching a scene and green where, screen? Yeah, green screen. Mostly green screen. Yeah. I, I mean mostly green screen. Like scenes where it's very clear that the characters are just on a soundstage somewhere in LA mm -hmm. and it's supposed to be like in the middle of this beautiful... All the horse riding scenes just look so fakey-fakey to me. Yeah. Like hysterically fakey-fakey. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Definitely a lot of that. Um, drink for hairstyle changes. Oh, yes. Yeah. There are some weird hairstyle choices in this. Russell Crowe's just like potato, isn't he, really? Yeah, but it's, it's not. It's more like very short hair, but not like shaved head. Yeah. Hair. It's it's just weird. Mm. And I don't know what he was... Why didn't he just have his normal hair? I don't know. <laughs> like, he's not a bald man. No, he's not. He has quite... He normally has like quite a good head of hair. But yeah, just... Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I don't know. All of the choices Russell Crowe made in this movie were bewildering to me. I'm not going to lie. Like, I yeah. don't understand any of them. But <laughs> I wasn't sure that he'd been involved in some sort of accident in which he'd lost, like, like his hair had been burnt off or something. <laughs> Wait. <laughs> he just walked under an open flame and like, shit, he's got a hair. I, I, I don't know. <laughs> okay, sure. <laughs> Drink when a scene goes on way too long. Mm -hmm. this, I, this I will agree with you on, definitely. Like, even though I didn't find this film as boring... A lot of individual scenes, especially in that middle point, did go on for far too long. And I was yeah. like, I feel like nothing's happened for 10 minutes, but we're still here. Yeah. 
Yeah. There's a lot of that in this film. I don't understand why, because like you said, there's clearly it's, more they that they wanted to put that in. that with like actually explaining what the hell is going on and what universe yeah. we live in, but no. Yeah. Just all interstitial scenes. I don't know. Yeah, yeah I, I don't know. Drink for that City of Justice sign. Oh, yes. When he pulls the, the thing he always looks at. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He's just looking at it all the time. I don't know why. Mm. Drink when a new character appears and then vanishes and plays no part again. Yep. Yeah. There's a lot of that. There's a lot of that. Like the, so the, do you remember the, the black guy at the beginning who's like uh, in Grand Central Station who hides out Colin Farrell? He's like, you can't stay here too long with that oh, horseman. Yeah. And then he randomly shows up again a hundred years later in oh, the graveyard. Yeah. Oh, I, know. I, I, I did notice somebody else Yeah, no, uh, come, coming back in the graveyard. Also, a little black girl takes a flower from the grave and gives it to Colin Farrell. Oh, yeah. At one point. What was that? Oh, are these like the angels of diversity? I don't, I don't know what this was. Like, I don't know what they were supposed to represent. Like, now that is a band name. Yeah, the angels of diversity. Yeah, um, yeah I, I, I don't know. Mm. I don't know. Drink for magic. Drink for magic, sure. Yeah, magical realism, magic. When you don't know what, because none of the human characters or extras react to the magic in like, oh my god, that's magic. Yeah. So that leaves you to think, okay, maybe this is just a magic world. Yeah. Where everyone's magic. But, then but like, that's also never explained. But then, like after a hundred years. It's just the normal world that we live it's in. It's really just regular 2014 New York, as far as I can tell. Yeah. It's very, very strange. Yeah. yeah. Also, drink for product placement. What did you notice? I didn't really pick up too much on that, I don't think. Well, I think that they went to Fox. Uh-huh. Do they think it was a Fox Studios? I, th- I think it was Fox Studios that where she was editor-in-chief. Oh, okay. And then also there's like, when he starts flying over the city, like at the very end... There's a very prominent CNN logo. Ah, I and didn't I, spot and that. I'm like, who's who's sponsoring this? Is it just news companies? What's going on here? Well, this film must have cost as as bad as the CGI is. This film must have cost a pretty penny. So mm. I don't know. Yeah. I can't say I noticed it. So it wasn't very good product placement, but sure. No. Okay. <laughs> uh, my last drinking game is drink for bad accent work. Oh yeah, drink for very uh, very bad accent work. How did I forget that? One? Mostly on the part of uh, Russell Crowe, of course. Yeah. That Irish accent was insane mm-hmm. like, it's like he just made it up on the spot like he didn't do any work on it he just turned up that day yep it was almost like somebody told him what an irish accent sounds like yeah but yeah. not but not showed him he'd never heard one before yeah <laughs> yeah yeah so. someone had like vaguely described it to him yeah yeah so. <laughs> based on geographical location alone and it really <laughs> felt like in some scenes he was really trying and other scenes he wasn't even bothered like it really came and went with the, went with the breeze so yeah 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 i think he got lazy after he would his oscar He's like, well, I'm an Oscar winner now. Of course I can do accents. What did he win for? Gladiator? Uh, Beautiful Mind, I think. Oh, right. I think because he lost for Gladiator and everyone was like, well, he should have won for that. And then he won for a Beautiful Mind, which isn't really very good. But uh, right. yeah. Sure. You know how it is with the Oscars. You mm-hmm. don't normally win for your best performance. So yeah. Fine. yeah. Cool, cool. Well, listeners, if you've enjoyed this episode or any other episode that we've done this whole year or in a year before, I yeah. guess. It's been a while. Then do please consider supporting us on Patreon. Mm-hmm. because that's how we keep the lights on and keep telling ourselves that it's worth doing this thing sure um, it's not because we like enjoy each other's company or anything it's purely no, no. just for the like definitely not just the cold hard cash no. and we hate the films and no. we hate everything but you know what we do love money yes cold hard money um but no really if you do feel like supporting us that would uh, really put a smile on our faces yeah so you can go to patreon.com slash beyond a box set to do that and you get a few bonus features like uh, extended version of the of the of the main show mm-hmm we do Patreon episodes every now and then as well, where we get a patron to choose film for us. Get a little 30-second ad slot, and we do a bonus show. Yes. Um, so yeah, all that, patreon.com slash beyond the box set. Indeed, very good. It's worth it. 
So what does a receptionist do when the fire alarm goes off? I don't know. Call the fire brigade? I seriously hope that was a joke. That's what the fire alarm is for. Well, she's the one who asked what to do. I'm just guessing. Well, I think you'd have to be the one that makes sure everyone knows where the fire exits are and checks that everyone is out of the building. Like, we have the list of guests. It's not that hard. I just wait till it actually happens and we'll see if you find it's not that hard. What are you going to do if everyone goes off running in different directions before you check them off your list? Or someone sleeps through it. I highly doubt you can sleep through a fire alarm. I have. <laughs> sure. So what, we're just going to say they'll check off all the guests as they exit the building to make sure they're all out? Welcome to The Quids In is a new fictional podcast coming to all podcasting platforms weekly from September 10th, 2020. Learn more about the show by visiting our website at islandlifeproductions.com and clicking on Support Us. Right, almost equals. Great. So my first idea is a proper sequel, a continuation of the movie. So Mm -hmm. I'm thinking the end of the movie's fairly ambiguous i guess it's like mm-hmm. colin farrell jumps into the sky and i guess we're supposed to assume he becomes the star and is reunited with his lady sybil but yeah i think so i was thinking well maybe that's not what happened maybe he just like rode off into the night like but mm. he's still like of this planet mm-hmm. and maybe he just continues living mm-hmm. okay. so i'm thinking we cut another hundred years into the future mm-hmm. and now we're in like movie future what about the cancer girl she did did she survive or oh she can come back as an old crow and like the okay. little girl from the first cool. it can be a whole cycle yeah um but yes Basically, I'm thinking. No, I was just checking that it wasn't like he tried to. He again tried to save the wrong redhead, and so she died, and he still got to find the redhead to save or whatever. I mean, it could be that, but because that's such a weird way to do a film. Yeah, <laughs> he must save a woman's <laughs> life, and then any woman, any girl. <laughs> it's his miracle, Harry. She was his miracle. Yeah. Um, I don't know, but well, that's it. He he does his miracle. He saves a girl's life, and he expects to like either die or ascend or do something, mm-hmm. but he stays on this planet, and he's like really confused he's like i don't understand why i'm still here i yeah. should have you know he's just sort of his flying horse mm-hmm. so he's just like well why am i still here I've, I've done my miracle but he just for some reason just keeps on living and not getting any order mm-hmm. and cuts 100 years into the future so it's now 2115 or something so now we're in like movie future it's mm-hmm. like you know blade runner kind of future you know yeah. um so yeah and we could have like fun with that whole kind of what the future is going to look like in a hundred years. It could be very like techie and maybe like post-apocalyptic and, you mm-hmm. know, climate changey, whatever mm-hmm. you think a hundred years is going to look like. Yeah. Um, yeah. And maybe it's, it's like been a while since we've had like a, a film that predicts what the future is going to be. You're right. People have stopped. I think it's just too depressing now. People just don't really want to talk about it anymore. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> Not really. Very I mean, other than like post-apocalyptic. Sure. That's all we get. Yeah. yeah. Is June set in the future? That's coming out soon, isn't it? Yeah. With Timothee Chalamet. Uh, yeah. You know, I, I I don't know anything about June, so... No, I mean, it's an old film. I, I don't know when it was originally set, but now it's being remade with Timothee Chalamet. So. Yeah. I don't know. Anyway, it's the future in this film. And it's just him and the horse wandering through futuristic New York, mm-hmm. trying to figure out what the hell his purpose in life is. And he doesn't know why he's still here. Yeah. He's not getting any older. His life isn't changing. And he's just, yeah, living every damn day in this futuristic world. So Russell Crowe has been defeated. He's dead. Mm-hmm. But... Will Smith is still alive. Like, Will Smith is Lucifer. Mm. And I'm thinking Colin Farrell at some point realizes the only way he's ever going to get any peace, in, you know, he's never going to like be able to die or be able to move on from this weird purgatory he's in, mm-hmm. is to defeat Lucifer himself. So he goes, once he realizes uh, this, he okay. goes on a hunt to face off with Will Smith himself. Yeah. And this is going to give Will Smith a bit more actual screen time in this movie, a little bit more <laughs> to actually do. Like, I don't know whether his fashion's changed, maybe he's even more futuristic now, or if he's just still wearing his Jimi Hendrix suit and he's really like a 
nostalgic Satan. I don't know. You could <laughs> do a number of different routes with this. You could be like the genie. You could be anything, but uh, or you or you could do like a like a prediction of somebody who's kind of small and kind of weird right now. Yeah, and just be like, no, no, no. Dua Lipa is going to be like the rock star. Interesting choice, but yeah, sure. Yeah. <laughs> How would you dress like Dua Lipa if you're Will Smith? <laughs> oh, I don't know. Bit of a stretch, but well, yeah. maybe ma- ma- maybe it just looks really weird and just like that's a, not a fashion that anybody would anybody would ever wear. Sure, but it's because I don't know. This is what like fifty years in the future is, mm-hmm. and I'm from a hundred years in the future. So this is nostalgic. What I'm wearing. Sure, yeah, that makes and sense. And it's cool. Yeah, that's it. I think Will Smith's always trying to be cool, so he's always trying yeah. to be like the hot new trend. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. so he's. He's very much that. Yeah, so I, I think it's going to be like a cat and mouse game between Colin Farrell and the horse hunting mm-hmm. down Will Smith. And maybe Will Smith is taunting him because he's the devil. He can come and go as he pleases. Mm-hmm. Uh, and maybe he's just trying to find a way for them to actually have their final fight. Yeah. And I don't know, maybe there's also going to be a woman, another little girl. Yeah, I agree with you that the um, the little cancer girl, the little girl with leukemia, should definitely come back as like an ancient crone who's mm-hmm. like, oh, I'm still alive. and. <laughs> He's, she's got some mystic wisdom to impart to mm-hmm. Colin Farrell just to keep him on the on the road. But yeah, yeah, I don't know. Maybe Lady Sybil is reincarnated in some way. I'm spitballing here. I don't know. Like maybe she's got like a great great granddaughter or oh, dist- so, it's the, dist- so it's the same actor. So, yes, basically just bring her back because she she felt like the real love interest and then she just dies oh, yeah. halfway through the movie and then we never see her again. So. Yeah, it's a bit strange. Yeah, yeah. So maybe, or maybe like he managed because it's the future. Maybe there's, he managed to bring her back as a hologram. It could just go full Blade Blade Runner style. Yeah, and she's just a hologram. Yeah, and he becomes obsessed with it. Yeah, I'm very much spitballing here. Yes, you are. And I don't really know what don't to do have, with it. I don't have a lot to go on here. I'm just thinking, Colin Farrell in the future fighting Will Smith, fighting the devil. Mm-hmm. That's basically all I've got as far as I can go with it. Really. Okay. But you know, I'm sure there's a, there's a great. You got a title for it? Um, yes, that was a Summer's Tale. Okay, so always set, set the whole thing in summer. Well, yeah. Oh, you could just set it in summer, so it's eternally hot. Maybe global warming again. Uh, okay, but also, yeah. I was thinking summer because it's like he can't die. So like, ah, yeah, he's right. Constantly in the summer, he, see, he's yeah. never in the winter of his life anymore because he's just immortal. Yeah, that makes sense. So, yeah. And the devil's always hot. The devil is always hot. Exactly. Yeah. So mm-hmm. yeah, that makes sense. That works. Cool. Yeah. Okay, so this one's called. A horse's tail. A horse's tail. Okay, like a yeah. like a horse's tail. Like, yeah. Or like the tale that a horse would tell. Okay, sure. Whatever. It, you know, it's the mirror of a winter's tale. Sure. No, I I get it. Yeah. Cool. cool. Just checking. Um, but also, but you know, it's both, isn't it? It you could know. be either. Yeah. It I mean, it's like, like the, it's, it's like the film Shark's Tale. Sure. Yeah. Anyway, so we pick up just after Colin Farrell sends the horse away uh, back in the olden days. Okay. So the horse flies off. And all the way back to its home up in Oh, heaven. so at the midpoint of the original movie, before the, yes. the sand jump, yes. when the horse flies off to freedom. Okay, so this yeah. is a mid-call. Yes. Okay, cool. Yeah, so the horse flies off and, go, and goes back to heaven, which is where the horse lives or whatever. And uh, checks in with St. Peter on the way in. Okay, so is the horse a saint? Uh, not, that, not, not, that I've, not that I've written, really. So it's St. Peter as a man in like white robes or whatever, like a yeah. saint. But the horse is still just a horse. Yeah. Okay, sure. Yeah, I'm just trying to like get a visualization in my head for this. Um, do you want to be the horse, or do you want to be others? Because the horse, the horse meets multiple characters, so either like you can play all those characters, or you can play the horse. I think you should play the horse. I'll play the horse. Okay, okay, fine. You're the first line. Okay. Am I supposed to do this in like a horsey voice? Nah, just just go, just go. You can do your own thing, or you can uh, just go like sort of a bit common if you want. Okay. What if the horse is just like very like, all right, Pete. Yeah. All right, Pete. All right, Derek, how's it going? How, how was the gig? Oh, not good, Pete. This monkey thought I was his spirit animal. 
Ah, one of those. They're so self-centered. If I had my way, I wouldn't let any of them in. But you know what the big man says. Everyone's got to have a fair trial. Oh, yeah. It's PC gone mad, isn't it, Pete? Totally. So what did this dickhead name you? They always give a ridiculous name, like Sagittarius or something. Oh, you're going to love this, Pete. Go on. He called me Horse. <laughs> what? What an imagination. I know. Like, even Horsey would be better. But no, just Horse. Wow. What, what was this guy's name again? I'll be sure to turn him away. To be honest, mate, I forgot his name. I just called him Human. Anyway, I think he died as I left, so I'm sure he'll be along. Anyway, moustache. All right, see you, Derek. Give my regards to the big man. Tell him my shift finished two million years ago and I'm waiting for the changeover. Will do, Pete. So Derek the horse mm-hmm. goes on through heaven to speak to God. And God, of course, probably like a Morgan Freeman type. Okay, is he like looking like Morgan Freeman or just like disembodied voice of God? You know what, you can probably you can probably cut that a little bit out there because I'm not about to do a Morgan Freeman impression. I was just going to say, that's, uh, <laughs> that's bold, but sure. <laughs> now, the voice of God is the voice of Harry. So... In the absence of a Morgan Freeman accent, are we saying the voice of God is the voice of you? Yes. Cool. Comforting. Go for it. Oh, hi, Derek. You did, you did really good with Peter. The bouncer. No, not, not St. Peter. Uh, that man you've been helping with uh, in New York. He was called Peter. What are the chances? Well, fairly high. I mean, the Irish are mainly named Peter or Patrick. Okay. You couldn't make him a bit more creative then. God. <laughs> hey, I tried my best with the Irish. Really? Well, I'll be honest. I made them last thing on the sixth day and I've had a few beers. Yeah, adds up. Anyway, how was the quest? Did you help him save the redhead? No, she died anyway. I think it was actually poison in the end. I know she was supposed to die of the consumption or whatever. Weird choice, by the way. Well, what can I say? I work in mysterious ways. So she died, so I guess that you failed. Mm, I guess. So does this mean that you won't lift the curse and I'm still stuck as a horse? Well, given that your debt is still unpaid, I'm going need to need you to go on just one more mission, I think. Fine, but please make it an easy one. I know Irish. I hated that Irish prick. Well, sorry, Derek, but that's that's racist. Oh, damn it. And that's blasphemy. Oh, fuck. Shit. Sorry. That's a swear word. Oh, no, I don't mind swearing. But uh, anyway, for the, for the blasphemy, you're not going to like this next quest I've got for you. Oh, God. Go on. What is it? Well, it's the exact same thing you just did. But a hundred years later. Oh, man, but how? Well, you know what? I'm going to make the same guy immortal and give a different redhead girl cancer. You're mean. Don't you mean mysterious? Whatever, just send me down. So, God then sends Derek the horse down for the second half of the film. <laughs> Which, obviously, we're not going to go through. Sure. Derek then comes back successful, back at the pearly gates. All right, Pete, how's it going? OMG, Derek, so many people died in the 20th century. I've been absolutely rushed off my feet. Oh dear, well, hopefully you'll get a break soon. What year is it now? It's the start of 2020. Oh, I'm sure this will be an easy year for you. Anyway, moustache, good luck. Derek gets on to God. Oh God, I've fucking done it. I helped him save a red-haired girl and then I flew into the sky, though he died in space. I told him to get off before the air ran out, but he wouldn't listen. He was too convinced he was the personification of a miracle. Yeah, he told me. He just he just passed through, actually. Oh, he got in? Well, that's just great. You didn't like him? No, he named me Horse. Do you know how demeaning that is? Especially as I don't want to be stuck as a horse much longer than this. Oh, yeah, about that. Okay, yeah, so you've done enough missions to pay off that debt now, so let's change you back. Finally! I've hated being stuck as a horse. God waves his arm and transforms Derek back from being a horse into a slug. 
Ah, so much better. Oh, I love being a slug. No stupid long legs, no hair, no nonsense. And then God says, it's it's weird that you like this. You're weird, God. Anyway, I'm off. Bye. And then Derek the slug very, very slowly slithers off and lives happily ever after. Well, Harry, you know what? You're right. I would never have written that. So. <laughs> <laughs> Interesting. I don't, I, I don't know what I was thinking. I just started writing and it just went it in just, a direction. You let the spirit move you. Yeah. No, well, I like the idea of like a midfall <laughs> about the horses like living in heaven and like actually what is the backstory of this mysterious like guardian angel horse. Mm-hmm. I like it. What was the title of that again? A horse's tail. A horse's tail. Very good. Oh, of course it was because tail tail. Yeah. Uh, so my second idea, um, again, it's not much more advanced than my first, uh, but it's called A Henchman's Tale. Okay. Because I was really fascinated by Russell Crowe's henchmen in this movie. Right, yeah. Because I was like, who are they? Do they know that they're working for the devil or are they just like guys? Or are they also devils? I didn't know. I reckon they're all in debt to Russell Crowe. They're all in severe debt to Russell Crowe. Mm-hmm. Okay. Russell Crowe, who he himself, I reckon, has made a deal with the devil. Mm-hmm. Oh, like, so you think he started as a man but became a demon because of like selling his soul? Yeah, maybe. He's just like, oh, give me your immortality and I'll do your bidding. Okay, so, so maybe he starts as like a corrupt police officer because it seems like mm. he's some kind of cop. He really is just Javert, basically. Yeah. Yeah, so I'm thinking, like, yeah, maybe he was the p- chief of police. Mm. I remember they, uh, maybe these henchmen all worked for him and he was started off as a good man and he was a good police officer and he tried to do good things and help people. Mm-hmm. But then as time went by, he became more and more cynical and he got into debt for whatever reason. Yeah. And he sold his soul to the devil to try and... Maybe he had like a sick wife or something, or yeah, mm-hmm. some reason, and he he sold his soul to the devil to like save his wife's life or save his child or mm-hmm. whatever. It, but it didn't work out. Yep. He, he was tricked, but he ended up being in service to the devil anyway. Mm-hmm. And now he's just like this crazed monster who works for the devil. But I'm just thinking, like, what is his day job? Like when he's not hun- in the hundred years between him five time headbutting Colin Farrell <laughs> and Colin Farrell coming back, like, what? How's he feeling his days? More corrupt police work, I there, reckon. Is he still working as the chief of police who just never dies? Are there other people he's like obsessed with killing? Could be. I like this yeah. idea that he's a police chief, actually. He's a corrupt, demonic police chief yeah. through history. So yeah. like, times are changing through like the Great Depression and the World Wars and the Blitz and every, you know whatever happens in America. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's no Blitz in America, but you know. <laughs> um, yeah, he, he's just this corrupt New York City police chief who's who's using his henchmen to like cause chaos and destruction mm-hmm. through the city, basically. But then the other thing I thought about this was, what if it was the other way around? And actually the horse was evil and Russell Crowe was the good guy. Right, okay. But like, because it never... And Colin Farrell didn't realise. Yeah, because at no point does Russell Crowe actually say, I'm evil. Yeah. We just assume because he's grumpy and he kills people. Yeah. Which, you know, is a fair assumption. But, you know. What if, like, the horse is Satan? (laughs) He'd make a terrible lawyer. What, me? I I know that he's grumpy and he killed people, but we don't know that that he's he's that guy. Yeah, exactly, you know. (laughs) You, you, you don't really know, do you? Let's, <laughs> let's give everyone the benefit of the doubt. But yeah, what I'm thinking is that maybe Will Smith isn't playing the devil. Will mm-hmm. Smith is playing Jesus yeah. or God. And Russell Crowe is his servant, but it's like a salty God. Yeah. It's like a God who is a bit grouchy and, you know, a bit quick with his fists. Yeah. And the devil might look, you know, white horsey and very appealing, but actually he's still pure evil. Mm-hmm. And so he's trying to rescue Colin Farrell from being corrupted by the devil. Mm-hmm. But Colin Farrell thinks he's the devil. So they're trying to save the world. And that's why, why that's why he's so obsessed, because we never mm-hmm. was why he's so obsessed. Actually, he's trying to save the world the best way he knows how, but he can't help it. He's Russell Crowe. He seems evil all yep. times. So he's trying to stop the horse, and the horse is Satan. Mm-hmm. But... Wait, the horse is Will Smith? 
No, no, the horse is Satan. Oh. Will Smith is Will Smith is God. Yeah. Will Smith is actually good. Right, right. But right. we just haven't established that because this film didn't make any attempt to explain anything. Yeah. And so Colin, this film is actually a very sad story about Colin Farrell actually just becoming a Satan worshiper, or unbeknownst to himself. Mm-hmm. And yeah, and when he shoots off into the end, he actually goes to hell. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that makes sense. So yeah. But yeah, I, I was thinking of having it rather than being from Russell Crowe's perspective, it being from one of his henchmen's perspective. Yeah. So all of the crazy stuff that happens, it's like a side character who's maybe just a human, just a regular human trying to do his daily day business and his boss just occasionally like grows weird gills and grows weird CGI gills and stabs people in the neck and kills people and mm-hmm. lives forever, inexplicably lives forever. Like imagine if your boss was someone who also was the boss of your great granddad. And just everyone <laughs> in your family has always worked for that one guy. Yeah. Like, okay. I don't know why he's still alive. It's kind of weird, but we just traditionally always work for him. Like, I'm just, just going <laughs> to go with it. Like, yeah. I think that'd be pretty funny. And like, yeah. Especially the scene in the ice, like when, when, when they all get thrown into the ice by the horse. It's oh, like, yeah. Why do they not try and save themselves a bit more? Well, it's difficult. Water's very, very, very cold. So it was very slapsticky to me, that scene. Yeah. I know, it just I, ice is slippy. Yes, ice is slippy, but I don't know. I just... And to be fair, a lot of them just, when Russell Crowe said, get off the ice they all just got in the cars mm. and then the cars sank. So like, they've also got to like try and get out of the cars that are in cold water. Well, yeah, that's the thing. Maybe these henchmen are like insanely stupid. Yeah, there like, is that. Yeah. Like Disney villain sidekick stupid. Like yeah. just, you know, crazy stupid because it doesn't make any sense. Like what did they think their mission was in the ice when they're chasing <laughs> Colin Farrell and a random woman whose daughter has leukemia? Like what did they think they were doing? I don't know. I just wanted to really dig into the whole henchman scenario because it just yeah. seemed, it seemed mad to me. So... <laughs> Again, both my ideas are pretty thin this week, but I just like the idea of the story from the perspective of the henchman. So mm-hmm. the henchman's tale. And then maybe also tie in Russell Crowe actually being a Jesus figure. Yeah. So maybe maybe that's also a part of it. I don't know. So, yeah. Not my best week for sequel ideas, but... Uh, it took you an hour to come up with that. I was mostly just reminding myself of the film. I've had a long week. Okay. <laughs> but whatever. We got through. Who cares? Yeah. Um, yeah. Okay. So listener submissions. Yes. I only have like four this week because surprisingly not many people have seen this movie. Wow. Shockingly. I mean, would it shock you that this film did not make a lot of money? It has like 30... i 30- work out what, what I think the budget of this could have been though. No, it was pretty high, but it yeah. got like 13% on Rotten Tomatoes. There's no one okay. came to see it. So. Yeah. So I've only got a few. So Rob Farnham said, the same events, but retold from the flying horse's perspective. So basically your idea. Sure, yeah. Adam Capitano said A Summer's Tale, which is basically my idea. <laughs> I think most people have struggled with this one, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Just that bad of a film. John Muggleton, John Muggleton said Winter's Tale 2. This time we actually adapt the book. Because apparently the, this was not a good ad- adaptation of the, of the story, which makes mm-hmm. definitely tracks. Fair, yeah. Connor Crehan said Will Smith's Devil on Vacation. Will Smith's Devil on Vacation. Yes, yeah, so the devil goes on like... The, the devil, as played by Will Smith, goes on like a holiday. You know, mm. why not? Why not? Sure. He's going to break. And finally, Dennis Fanning said, Winter's Tale 2, Spring Forward. The year is 3,455 and love is illegal. But flying horses are plentiful. <laughs> and the devil is plotting revenge in a now super retro Rolling Stones t-shirt. Yeah, sure. So yeah, I can see that. Yeah. So it's, uh, it's kind of similar to what I said, but it's just like live in the f- very deep future. So yeah, those were our sequel pitches this week. Not not very many, but uh, like I said, I did pick a terrible film, so I have no one to blame but myself. <laughs> so thank you everybody for those sequel ideas. We ask for your listener submissions every week, a few days before we record, by putting posts out on Facebook and Twitter where you can post your ideas. So make sure you like and follow our pages if you don't want to miss out. 
to listen to more episodes of Beyond the Box Set, you can subscribe and browse our back catalogue on any podcasting platform, including iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, and many others, all of which you can also leave a five-star review if you so wish. It really helps us to stay on top of the rankings, so please do consider it. As mentioned earlier, we are also available on Patreon, which is exclusively for the people who would rate us more than five stars if they could. You can find all those links in the description below or at beyondtheboxset.com. And next week, Harry, mm-hmm. we're going to round off our Christmas season with a Patreon episode. So friend of the podcast, Nathaniel DeBell, who joined us early this year with Survive Style 5, mm-hmm. has selected another, uh, I think, anime. I think this is an anime classic. Well, it's certainly Japanese, mm-hmm. uh, called Tokyo Godfathers. Oh, okay. Apparently it's another Christmas-esque movie, so mm-hmm. it somewhat fits. Uh, probably going to be our last one of the year and then we'll do our annual roundup and then we'll head into 2021 whatever mm-hmm. nightmares that brings to the world <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah so yeah join us next week for Tokyo Godfathers yeah alright thanks already for listening thank you very much take care See bye you later. bye <laughs>